Good morning. Good morning, brothers and sisters of Subang Jaya Assemblies of God. Good morning. Very quiet, you guys. Good morning. Thank you, sisters. You know, I was just telling your pastor just now, uh, well, you still have older people worship leading. Uh, very good. <laughs> uh, why? Because we have retired all of us hours five years ago. So sorry about that. You know, we went into some beat, some of them couldn't sing anymore. You know, some of them with dentures drop off. So <laughs> we say, time to retire, some of them. And uh, so we did that transition before we, uh, we prepare them, before we build our new building, and, uh, and before we move into our new building. It's an honor to be here. You know, I'm no more the chairman already. I stepped down as the chairman. Uh, I was holding the post of the chairman for four years and as the principal for, as chairman as well, uh, for four years as well. So I stepped down as the chairman. I am the principal for another few more years. Next year will be my last year, seven years total. And then uh, they are talking about Pastor Yiming or no? The, chair, the, the general superintendent and the ex-co was thinking about extending me another three more years. I said, mercy. Mercy. I have been back to Tabernacle of Worship now. This is my 30th year. Uh, I was one of the pioneers of the church when I was a Bible school student. For three years, then I went to East Malaysia and did a work in Cebu and work in Bintulu. And then seven years later, uh, we felt that the Lord called us back. So we weren't sure until we received a call. The Lord did spoke to us, my wife and myself. And after that, we said, no, God, it is. We, are, we were quite settled down in East Malaysia. Uh, we quite liked the life too. It's pretty slow as well. You know, and uh, we were thinking of having four children. You know, I remember when we went there, uh, the sending pastor, Pastor Prince, sent us, asked us, he said, uh, we want you to die there. <laughs> Don't come back. I'm not from Calvary. You know, my wife is from Calvary. And uh, so when we got married, uh, basically before we got married, we have a time to meet up with Pastor Rick Silver of Singapore. And then in the transition of uh, taking over two of the works that he has problem with the government. So it was small, but potential. So upon graduation, both my wife and myself, we got married. We were classmates in Bible school. And then uh, we told Pastor Prince that uh, if we just got married, like, give us two weeks. You know, before we go over to East Malaysia, and uh, he said, okay, so we have two weeks. Then we went to East Malaysia. We were there seven years, and we came back in 92 after our first child was born, and the second one was born. He was two months old. Then we came back. But during the, the year, uh, half a year of 1992, uh, I traveled between Suramban and Cebu. Sarawak, uh, two weeks here and two weeks there. 
until finally, uh, when my youngest, my, my second child was born, uh, two months later, we took him back and we all came back, uh, November 16, 1992. Mission has, is a very important part of God's heart. I don't know how you look at missions to me, when I was in Bible school, when the Lord spoke to me first in my first year, I always thought that God wanted me to be a missionary. And, uh, and the girl that I fall in love with uh, also have a mission call only until we got married. So we both thought that maybe God's plan is for us to be missionaries overseas. And Cebu Bintulu were a good base for us to cultivate. In those days, uh, we are only allowed to stay there six months with your passports. All right, anything more than that, you have to go out for two days and come back inside again to Cebu uh, and Bintulu. And uh, we always have a problem every time we want to extend. So we felt that the best thing is to apply for a work permit. So we got a work permit. And that's why we were able to travel in and out, no issues, all right, in Cebu, Sarawak, those days, in 1985. But uh, when we came back, we said, God, you know what? I, when, when God called us to come back, we were fighting the call to come back to take over the work that we have left uh, seven years ago. And we said, God, we, we felt that you called us to be, a, to be missionaries, somewhere to do your work. So I said, maybe let me kickstart something in Tabernacle of Worship. When I came back, our mission were very, very low. I'm talking about 10,000 a year just for missions. And they support something like 20 over churches, 20 over people, and 50 ringgit, 100 ringgit, you know. So I told the board, I said, 20 ringgit, 50 ringgit, 100 ringgit is nothing to support a pastor or work or a missionary. So I challenged the board after a year to, have to, to re rethink mission, to rethink mission all over again. And I say, the time when I came back, the church went through a very difficult time. Uh, a time the church went through three splits. And uh, the church was down to uh, 90. 90 people, both the English and the Chinese, added in maybe 100, 100 people. And I challenged the board. I said, why don't we look into this? Let's rethink missions uh, the way it should be. All right? The way it should be. And we challenged them. After one year, we challenged them. And we managed to raise within 40 people, for, uh, 90 people to 100 people, 40,000 for our missions. And then... We say we don't have to support so many missions, agency, organization, or pastors or churches. Why don't we just do this? Go for 10 and support them more. Then the second year in our missions program, we raised 80,000. At that time, we were also having about 100 people or something like that. Then we give to 20 different agencies and pastors and missionaries. And then the following year, we went into 180,000. And uh, today, 
we are less than what you raise. We raise about less than 400,000 a year. And we support for something like uh, we have now since 1992, uh, 93, when we started all these things. Now we have about 58 different missions agencies all over the world. And, uh, and the Lord, somehow, somewhere in our missions giving, uh, to look at missions very differently. And, uh, and this year itself, uh, this past two over years, two, three years, we couldn't go into the mission field, though some places are able, but we did not go. Next year, we are full gear back to missions again. We do missions very different. When I went in to do missions, one of my objectives in life is to buy land. I told the board, we have to buy land. We cannot be feeding. We have to teach them how to fish. We own all over 50, 60 acres of land all over the places. Why? Every church that we built in our missions context, every church that we built, we, we, we give them a piece of land. And we expect the pastor to be self-supporting. They, they are not in the city, most of them, they are in the interior. So we expect, expect them within a short period of time to cultivate the land and to work something out from the land to support themselves. So we set, we, we, we set aside a frame, a time frame for certain churches and certain ones are not, so that we can, they can be self-supporting over a period of time. I also invested in business where from the business itself, it churned finances to support our missions. Like Indonesia, we have about 30, 40 churches in Indonesia, West Kalimantan site. You know, and uh, we have land, the rare fish, land, the rare chickens, pigs. So sorry about the last one. Uh, we, 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 not the last one, the, we, we have land to cultivate for vegetation, vegetables. And uh, the last one, we also have a farm where we rear dogs for food. So sorry about that. Because dog is a common commodity for food in Indonesia. So that's why the land go. And we also have a piece of land that we built uh, our Bible school. We have a Bible school. When the church begin to grow, we say we cannot keep on sending people from here. We have to train national in the locality where we have ministry. And so we built a Bible school. Our tabernacle of worship of Indonesia were not able to be registered. So what we did was we, we applied for a permit, a permission from the government, the education, the education Department of Indonesia to approve our Bible school. We built the Bible school, we start the course, then we registered it. You know, interesting, they approved our Bible school, but they did not approve the denomination, Tabernacle of Worship of Indonesia. You know, so we went back to them, thank you for the approval, Puji Tuhan, Tuhan Amat Bagus, Pemerintah Bagus juga. Then we say, what about organization? You say that, you know, uh, uh, theological school of Sosok, you know, and uh, is legal, we can, we can train in the, the, the curriculum accepted by the government, but our, our organization, our denomination is not accepted. So it doesn't make sense. If it's not accepted, you put that this, 
this Bible school that is from this denomination, it doesn't make sense. So we went back to them the following month. They gave us the approval. We, we thank God. God is favorable to us. We were the last church organization that were allowed to be registered as a denomination in Indonesia. And after that, to top. Why am I sharing you all these things? Sometimes in, for me, all right, we have to rethink missions. Are we going to feed them all the time? Or are we going to teach them to fish? Just think about it for a while. Possibly, you mean I don't mean to anything, but I'm just sharing how I do mission from Tabernacle Worship. All right, and uh, uh, then I will stop. I, I would, we, were, we were having dinner. One of our church members was transferred here, and, uh, and their daughters got married. You know, we were at the same table. We were talking about Pastor Yiming said to me, share some testimony rather than just preaching the word. You know, what you do in, in all different parts of the world. Because we have also have work in Cambodia. We also have a children church. We also have a training school as well. You know, uh, we tell you some of the things. Somewhere along the way, I share. But I want to share with you three important things about missions in a while. Now, I want to talk about my entire my message as evangelism and missions. The heartbeat, the heartbeat of God. Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, it means all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he said this, teach these new disciples to obey all commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Father, bless your word as we listen to your word. Open our hearts to receive what your spirit is going to plant in every one of our heart and our spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Evangelism and missions, the heartbeat of God. Missions is heart, God's heartbeats. Now, what is the meaning of heartbeat? Definition of heartbeat means one, it is a complete pulsation of the heart. It is a whole complete some people do not have a whole complete pulsation of the heart. That's why you see, you have to go and see a heart surgeon to look into that. All right? And it is, secondly, it is the vital center or driving impulse. You know when you say the heartbeat is when your heart is consistent, your health is driven to health. Your body is driven to good health and full health. If it's not a full pulsation, your heart is not good. Years ago, my wife had this problem. She tend to overdrink coffee at times, and, and over a period of time, she had a missed heartbeat. It started with a missed heartbeat. And then she finds sometimes she's tired. And then she went on the missed one beat, whole complete beat. You know? And then it went to a, a, a total missed two heartbeat. And it causes her always to be sometimes unstable when she walks on a stand and she has got to certain things in her health that's not good. 
So therefore, it's not just a one complete pulsation of the heart, it is the wider center or driving impulse. It is when a heart beats consistently, it drives your body to full health. That's why it's important. And the third thing about a heartbeat is that it's a brief sp space of time. That's a brief space. A brief space. A brief space. Why is that important? How, do you, how many of us know that when you exercise, when you get excited about things, your heart, beat, your heart beats very fast, isn't it? The space in between is probably either one-third or half of the constant space. Hello? So it tells you now, it's so important in missions, it is not once a blue moon I do it, but it must be a consistent driving force in the local church. Are you with me? It must be a consistent driving force in the local church. In order for the church to be healthy, the missions is important. Why? Because God's mission is to save us from our sin to, and, and to restore His good creation which had been marred by sin. We have to reach out to people around us. You know why? So that God can restore back to the life of the person who was lost in sin. And God can restore back to the life of the people whose purpose has been destroyed because of sin. And God's call upon every one of the people's life on the face of this earth. To the death of His Son, to the resurrection of His Son, Missions is to, for you and I to carry on what he came to do. And you know what? Soul winning or mission is important because it is the heartbeat of God. It is a central driving force of every born again child of God. It cannot be serve a while, go into mission field for a while and, and then don't go. You know, these two years we suffer. Not able to go into the mission field. I told, I tell you, I'm telling you, we suffer. I not able to go into the mission field. It's just like taking part of my life away. And through the past one year, I have people in the church and pastor, when are we going for a mission? When are we going for a mission? When are we going to mission? You know, because we have covered Indonesia, Philippines, uh, last time Japan and, and, and US also, we have a work there. And then we also have in different, different parts of Indonesia as well. And uh, in Cambodia, you know, and, and some of these places. And our people have been going to the mission field for two years. They were locked down. They were not able to go anywhere. And we have India as well, North India. We have, we have, we have uh, orphanages. We have a training school there as well. You know, things like that. They were asking, how come we're not able to go? I said, we can't go. In the past two years, God allowed it to happen for a reason. You know what happened? We rethink missions again for next year. How are we going to do mission in season such as did? This and it is the heartbeat. Missions goes beyond proclaiming the gospel. But missions also talk of discipling and establishing men in the life of faith in Christ Jesus. One more time. Missions goes beyond 
the proclamation, the preaching of the gospel, which is very important. But missions is also discipling and establishing men and women in the life of faith in Christ Jesus so that they'll have a heart that beat the heart of Christ. A lot of people in the church don't realize, you know, one of our motto in our church missions program is that we want to see everyone in the church to go to mission field at least once in their lifetime. Once in their lifetime. And our goal is still achieving 80%, but we only have able to achieve so far 50% only going to the mission field. You know, especially the richer people. Oh, pastor, how can we sleep, you know, without hotel? I said, you do have a hotel. It's not a five-star, it's not a six-star, it's an all-star hotel. Hello? Are you with me or not? I don't believe in missions doing, staying in a hotel and travel every day to the interior for missions work, for evangelistic meeting, and then go back and stay in a hotel and travel every day. You know, I, one of my friends in the north asked me, hey, can you take some of my guys into a mission field like y'all do? We also do, he said, you know, but then I asked, how do you do your mission? He said, we stay in a five-star hotel, we travel every day to an interior, and then we, we, we preach the gospel, then we come back to the hotel and stay and enjoy ourselves. I said, what? That is never in my vocabulary. We stay where there is a place in the place where we serve. We either set the tent or we sleep on the floor with a, uh, on a, that's, that's how, no, don't follow me. That's how I do missions when I first started, you know, and uh, uh, missions into Indonesia especially. You know, I, I want to challenge you this. Missions goes beyond just proclaiming the gospel but also discipling men and women for works of ministry. That's why the Bible here tells us, he says what? He says, go into all, make the disciples of all nations. He said, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And one of the commands is missions, is evangelism. I sound, do I sound radical? If I do, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but that's me. Christopher Munn, that's me. That's how I do missions. That's how we started all our missions program. You know, there are three things about mission. And I will put into the three Ps. All right, about missions to me. All right. One, it is a personal privilege. It is a personal, it is my privilege. Not just yours, 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 and hers. It is my personal privilege. It is a duty, a more than a duty, it is the privilege of every born again believer in Christ, of every church, to endeavor to make disciples of every nation. Hello. It is a privilege, it is an honor. To be in the mission field is an honor to start new churches. There were, there, there, there was a, there were a, there was a period of time that I had to stop the side. I said, "Hey, pak surat cukup, jangan terlalu banyak." 
This month they start one here, next month they start another one there. You know, when I went to the mission field, especially in Indonesia, I spent six times in a year of two weeks to be in Indonesia, to live with them, to stay with them, to train them and to guide them. So now I place one of my assistant pastors over Indonesia. I place one over, Indonesia, uh, uh, over Cambodia. I place some of my assistant pastors over different city, different country in the world. Now at my age, 80 plus, uh, 80 plus sorry, 60 plus, you know, <laughs> I only fly in once a year to different places to spend five days with them, to cast vision. In this stage, I'm in to see all my workers and staff that come out uh, to the nearest town or city to their place and I will just go there and cast vision, give them a two days of seminar training about the things of God and the work of God and, and, and then after that I spend time with them and I fly off. But my workers go in all these places. So it's a privilege. That's why it says go into all the world and teach the new these new disciples to obey all the command. Jesus expects every one of us as Christians to be involved in making disciples of all nations, not just followers, not just converts. We have the responsibility to make Christ's name known among people of all ethnic groups. It is our responsibility and it is a privilege. We are God's feet. We are God's hands. We are God's mouth. We are God's eyes. We are God's heart. We must feel the way they felt. We must eat the things that they eat. Mission is not just sending money. Sending money is important. Mission is touching lives in exchanging of lives and experiences and time one with another. We are now recapitulating our missions and getting ready to shoot into missions January next year, lining up different city, different country, you know, to send the people out. Though I have a heart for missions, if you ask me honestly, in all sincerity of heart, when I first went to mission, I don't enjoy it. How do you know missions is not enjoyable sometimes? Yeah, I remember some of our people went to Philippines and they started some churches in the high, you know, the mountaintop. And, uh, and they see people in need, they give. I tell them, be careful how you spend your money and give. You know, the same thing in Vietnam. They give, they give, they give, Right? Vietnam is everything about money one. Give and give and give. I think no money. I say, how are you going to come back? Yeah, you got a ticket. You still need to go around in town for the next one day. So thank God we got a member that owns a, a, a Lama Taos factory in Vietnam. So we gave him a call. I said, Gary SOS. Our 16 members stuck in Vietnam. No money. Can you please help them out? You know, he goes there, he stays for a month, he comes back for a month, he goes there and stays a month. You know, and, uh, and uh, he says, okay, okay, Pastor, I will do that, I will do that. I'll get the, I'll get the, the, the company's uh, vehicle to come and then fetch all of them from where they are, check them into the hotel, you know, in, in Vietnam itself, like Ho Chi Minh itself and Hanoi the other time. And then he says, I'll take care of all the meals until they go back. 
giving is important, but it's what we are planting into the hearts and the lives of the people is far more important. That's why we don't just feed them, we teach them to fish. I don't know how many churches are willing to buy properties in Indonesia, in some of these we buy. Cheap, for us, our money is big those days, you know. Yeah, we bought four acres of land in Indonesia to build our Bible college. 4,000 ringgit only, don't want to buy. Ah. I said 10 acres also, I got some. Every place that we build a church, you know, the church only take out a small portion, the church only a lot, we build a church to sit, you know, our responsibility as a, as, as a mission church is to build a church to sit a hundred. Anything more is a responsibility of the pastor and the leaders and the people. And we gave them half an acre of land. Why? So that the pastor can be self-sorting within two years. We don't have to feed you anymore. You feed yourself and you feed your people and ask them to cultivate your land so that they also get blessed. Hello. Nowadays, I thank God we bought those days. Nowadays, the land are so expensive. I just asked about a land in Cambodia, a small little piece of land, like a present day, maybe a bungalow sized land. You know how much it costs? 20,000 US dollar. I said, what? 20,000 US dollar is too expensive. Even if I sell all my socks, so I won't be able to pay for it. But, jangan putus asal. There will always be a way at the right time. So, the first thing of missions is that it's a personal privilege. Why is it a privilege? Some of these places, I just share with testimony on and off. There are some places that we have to travel. Now, my job as a standing pastor of into mission and doing mission is that once the work is started for three months, I will fly in to see the work before we decide to support the work. Some of our work, you have our works, you have to walk five hours before you reach the place. Can you imagine five hours is how far? It is not straight roads, you know, it is winding, it's mountain, it's valley, it's a cross river. So my motto is that I have to see first. Then I'll bring one of my board members along. I remember I dragged one of our board members with me for one of our mission trips with a few more, three more person. And uh, we walk, he said, Hi, Pastor Kacang Puteh, five hours, what is five hours? Because he said, I go jogging. Okay, come. He can't even walk one hour. But we say, he said, Pastor, any way, anybody we can pay to carry me in. And I said, Brother, you are here for missions. You are not here for climbing up Mount Kinabaru. You, have, you pay the porter, these people to carry you up. I said, No. And I remember one of the places we took him, we walk in, struggle in. And the, the person who pioneered the work under us went to the place, forgot to ask for permission from the Penghulu, the Ketua Kampong that for us to stay one night. Do you know that when you go to somebody's kampong, you have no permission, you cannot stay for the night? We started at 5 o'clock in the morning. We reached there, 5 hours, and then we found out after lunch, we can't stay. Can you imagine? You can't stay? I just walked 5 hours. 2 hours later, I will walk 5 hours out. 
we were walking out, the rain is coming. That we walk out, this guy really can't walk anymore. He said, Pastor, you see, my feet are cut, my ties are cut. First of all, we told them, don't buy new clothes to go into mission field. He bought a new shoe. He bought a new pair of jeans. Can you imagine it cuts your groins? You know, and, and, and he, he brought a tower that is not washed before, used before. Can you imagine a towel you have not washed before you use the towel to dry yourself? I said, brother, what in the world? So my wife tell me, it's better to start mission new and buy everything new. I said, where did the Bible say? You know, in some of these interior places that we go into, it, it, it takes a long journey. Especially the first work we started, three hours to the first quarter the first place that we started, we had to walk three hours. And once the church started, we built. Once we built, I have to go in again. So after that, we started another church, which is another hour inside. Then another church, another hour inside, in a different part. It's a privilege. Sometimes when we, we go to the south, we say, oh, why am I? But do you know when I look back now, after so many years, it was an honor that I have to walk with these people. It's a privilege. Don't look at mission as the way the church is sucking your money. Look at mission as the way the church is teaching you to give towards the mission view. And you going is for you to enjoy the honor and privilege as a missionary sent by the local church for a short mission trip. And it's a joy and honor. I don't know about you, to me it's always a joy and honor. I go less now into the mission field. I only fly in for meetings and I fly out. But my team of ministers goes in with the team, mission team. All right? But every new country that we start missions, I go in. And my wife go in as well. All right? The first one is, is a privilege. Take missions as a privilege. How many will take it as a mission as a privilege? Hello? Yeah, you know, in our community, in our in our present daytime, we 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 live in an aircon house. We walk into the into an aircon car. We step out into an aircon office. We go into an aircon cafe, and we enjoy life. But you'll be surprised. Some of the places you and I go to mission field. When you come back, you will be so blessed and encouraged of what God is doing in the mission field. Okay. The proclamation of the gospel, I'll share with something else that uh, this is due with Bomo one. Uh. Number two, a proclamation of the gospel. The Bible says, go and proclaim the good news. All right, proclaim the good news. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, it says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. Is, the New Testament teaches us on the word to preach. is one of the root words that come out from the word evangelism. It's one of the root words that come out of the word evangelism. And it is incumbent, all right, incumbent upon every believer to proclaim Christ 
as a minister of reconciliation. Why? First is a privilege. Second is a representation of him to proclaim. When you proclaim, you represent him to bring the people into the, from the world into his kingdom. All right, and uh, Second Corinthians tells us, chapter 5, verses 18 to 20, all this is from God who reconciles to himself to Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So we are therefore Christ's ambassador. We represent him. We are his hands, his feet, his eyes, his mouth. We are his representative into the mission field. Now, US, our mission work in the US is very comfortable. Our mission work in Japan is also very comfortable. Uh, some people in our church said, hey, Pastor, if you go LA, I will go for the mission trip. How will you like that? I said, half the time you'll be shopping, going to Hollywood, Bolawat, you're going to be going to uh, uh, you know, Hollywood studio and, and so on and so forth. And I said, well, Pastor, you start to work in Korea, we will go. I've never been to Korea. We are therefore called Christ's ambassadors as though God were making this appeal to, through us. You see, God was making this appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. See, proclamations comes from a heart of love. You know why we don't go? You know why we don't preach the gospel? You know why we don't walk over to the next door to share the gospel? Because we fall short of little thing in our heart. It's called the love of God. If we truly are filled with the love of God in our heart, the proclamation of the gospel is grounded in both two things, in two things. The proclamation of the gospel is grounded in two things. One, obedience. I obey what his word says. Two, the love of God. If you really love so enough, we will share the good news. Why? Missions and evangelism express the love of God through you and through me. I heard that during the MCO time, the pandemic, you all have given up food. And some of you were not able to come. They sent up food to you as well from the church. That is the love of God. One of the church nearby here, which will be preaching for you next week, you know, and uh, I exchanged a date with him. I said, you come next week, I come this weekend or not. He's a friend of mine as well. You know, I'm supposed to fly off to U.S. next month for a month for my sabbatical. You know, my board is very kind to me. You know, five years ago, the board said, Pastor, you've been serving us for 25 years. You hardly take any leave. You know, only when you preach in U.S., you preach in Melbourne, Australia, and Indonesia, you took a few days off as your break. We have decided five years ago, every year we will give you one month sabbatical starting 2020. <laughs> you know what happened in 2020, right? Starting 2020, every, every year you and the associate pastor who is your wife, Pastor Marianne, they will take one month off. No leave, not a leave. If give you sabbatical and go to be blessed and rest. We don't want you to preach. You want to go and study, it's up to you, but we want you to rest. You've been serving here long enough. Last year, the board asked me, 
we are coming out of a pandemic soon. So will you be going for your sabbatical? Uh, let's see what happened. Beginning of the year, are you going for your sabbatical, Pastor? Nice isn't it? I have the board members like that. I don't have to ask. Years ago, when my board members suggested, I, I fought it in every board meeting. I am not taking sabbatical. I am not taking sabbatical. For years, I fought it until a few years ago when they said, Pastor, is a decision the board met and said, we will impose on you and Pastor Marion to go for your sabbatical every year for a month to upgrade yourself and to rest. There's a love of God too, right? But the love of God I'm talking about is not sabbatical. The love of God I'm talking about is the missions. So I supposed to fly off on the 1st of August, preach one weekend. I asked about, can I preach one weekend? Because someone heard that I'm coming to US in San Francisco. So he has called. And I told him, I'm so sorry. That he found out from my friend who is from KL. You know, I will be there. And, and I said, I, I called the guy straight. I said, I can preach for you one condition. Don't tell the rest of my friends. I'm coming to US. I'm taking a break. You know what? For the past one over month, we couldn't get a ticket to fly off. Not Singapore Airlines, not EVA, not China, not, not Cathay, no airline ticket available. Can you imagine? Two tickets or so, no? No, all fully booked months ago. Why? Because in US, this month of August, come next month of August, is a graduation month for all university colleges and high schools. There's no ticket. So, I told about, ha ha, I'm not going. They said, no, you are going. You are going. Restructure your calendar. Restructure your calendar and go. So I'm leaving. So that's why I have to tell Chris, I'm so sorry that I asked you to switch and I cannot go to the US. Next week, you have to come and preach here. You know, and uh, I'm flying off only in October now. It took me two weeks to reschedule my, all my schedule for October. You know, actually August is a good month because I got nothing on in August. Everything is removed in August so that I can leave for a month. So, why did I come to this? Uh, Chris Park, yeah. God is love. And love is of God. God is love and love is of God. You can see this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. It was love that prompted God's only Son to die for men and women to receive eternal life. As one of the trademark of Christian life, the Christ follower should always show by how well the fruit of love is in displaying their heart for the loss for the kingdom. One of the best ways to display that is to show the love for the kingdom towards people who have not come to know Jesus Christ yet. I remember in our younger days when, when, we, when we have missions weekend, my wife will go, always go to the front and cry and cry and cry and cry and cry and cry. And cry. Lord, I want to go into mission field. I want to serve. 
I remember in my younger days as well, when, when, when my pastor had missions conference, we would go there and cry, say, God, send me, send me, send me. Later, did I realize this past number of years, the Lord has called me, I'm sending you through mobilizing the church to go. I send you and your wife, is only two person. If you mobilize the church, because so many people go into the mission field. Some are called to missionary to Macau, right? Standing outside the casino, anybody come out drunk, discarded, and, and not doing well, they commit suicide, bring the gospel of hope to them. That's how one of our churches started in Genting. Right? We have a church in Genting. Okay? So, Macau, huh? Yeah. Don't go in, but just wait outside. Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Such love of God in our life. You see, the fruit of the Spirit, the first thing is love, you know. Love God, love people, love the people who are lost especially. It's so important in our lives. Such love will be demonstrated by those who are new creations as a symbol of the new birth in Christ. When you are born again, he said, teach these new believers. You know, in our church, one of our programs in our education is that in the foundation class is that they must evangelize and they must go into the mission field. It's a requirement in Tabernacle of Worship. Though our name is Tabernacle of Worship, we don't want to change missions, world missions, church, no lah. We don't want to change the name when I came back. Right, you got it? Now, in the proclamation, the last one I'll share with you this is a persuasion. Uh, number three, persuasion evangelism. The book of Acts gives us a record of the followers of Christ telling the story of Christ and the many people who became new creatures. That's the story of the book of Acts. And they were persuaded by the verbal witness of the early believers. They were persuaded, they were encouraged to do it. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, why did he say that you must receive the power of the Holy Spirit before you go out to do missions work? The Holy Spirit power gives us four things. One, power to live an abundant life. Power to live your life to the full. To worship God, to give generously, to serve one another, to reach out to your neighborhood and your, your oil course, people who are closest to you, and to go into the mission field. All right, we need this. We need the power of God to live our life victoriously. Number two, power to deal with pain. Life is never easy. Life is full of ups and downs. The pandemic has knocked many people down. But the power of the Spirit within help us to rise up and be strong to do what God wants us to do in our life, to live our life successfully, victoriously for His kingdom. To represent Him. And the third thing is that the power to live holy life. There are a lot of temptation out there. I don't know how many percent of your people come to the church. We only have 40% of our people come to the church physical. Both the Saturday night and the Sunday morning. I want to thank your pastor for preaching for us in October. Actually, when I invited you, I didn't know I'm leaving in October. I supposed to leave in August. I want to hose you when you come. And Chris Pan will be very happy. He's supposed to preach for me in August. <laughs> to live a holy life, the world is full of temptation and challenges. But you know what? 
we need the power of God in us to live our life well. And the last thing is the power to witness for Christ. When we started a church in this place, uh, which is about seven hours away, let me see, seven hours away, west, northwest of Kalimantan Barat. It is in a very, very remote area in this church, this place. When our worker went in there and did the work there, and after a few months, you know, they said, Pastor, we are ready. We are ready. Six months, I think. They said, you can fly in to look at this work and, and a few more works. So we went in. First, the time, a few years later, when we went in, we were able to rent motorbike to ride, you know, to go into somebody's interior. Car cannot go in, the too small the road, motorbike. So we have, we have this object, object, you know, and I call it motorbike. And then we go in. We will have to ride about one and a half hours on a motorbike. Then we reach a place that we can't ride anymore. We park our bike one side, and then we had to get into a sampan, which we pay for a sampan, and the sampan took us upstream to another area. When we reach there, it's a very unique kampong. There are mountaintop people, but there's a river that go up, go come down from there, and they're very fair. As Indonesian in Kalimantan, it's so hot. They are very fair people. They are hidden in the jungle, actually, because of all the trees. So we went there. The whole village, just to let you know, the whole village got converted. We started a church there. I asked my worker, I said, Pak, macam mana kita bisa menginjil di sini? And how the people converted? He said, it's not easy, Pak. When we first came to this kampong, after visiting the last two kampong, when we came in, we begin to preach the good news. Now, the Catholic Church, the Anglican Church, the Methodist Church have the same plan. Before you enter the village, there's a church. Before you go to Mantin, from the south side, there's a church. And towards the end side, there's another church in, in Negri. The, for them is, before you enter the kampong, there's always not the Penghu's place. That is the Bomo's house. He somehow controlled the whole area. So he said to her, he said, he said, Pak, when I first went there, you know, after preaching the gospel, going around visiting the people, he said there were these five Bomo who lived there in this house at the entrance. They told us, you stay here, you will die tomorrow morning. He said, what? We will charm you. We will cast black magic on you and you will die. And this town, particular town, has a very strange thing. Two families in this town, they were born with scale. You know scale? Fish scale all over the body. Fish, fish scale, you know, all over the body, all the siblings. He said the bomber had to do whatever they have done, couldn't, nothing happen. He said, but one month ago before you came, we came again. So they cast a spell on us. When the he said when we were sleeping in one of these houses, the whole night we were vomiting, the whole night we were not feeling well, we were running fever. I said, what do you do? He said, we got up. You know, we always send out two by two. They said we got up, we went on any, we prayed the whole night through. The whole night through. Until the fever left us and the vomiting stopped. And so what happened? He said there was a big commotion in the morning about six o'clock. Now six o'clock already bright already in Indonesia. And uh, I said, why? I said, we also ran to the place. They said, you know all the five bombos that was living in this house at the entrance? All of them died. 
not only died, the stomach burst open, all the intestine came out to the floor. Then I said, what happened? They said, that morning, three, four o'clock in the morning, like a lightning strike, the whole plate, they all died and the stomach burst open. Then what happened? Every one of them ran to our feet and said, we want to keep them out to Rema Yesus. Hallelujah. Keep them out to Rema Yesus. Then, I told them, what is the next place? Where is the next place I'm going to go? He said, Pastor, you have to go up to the mountain on top, you know, right on top. The second highest mountain there. And we just started two churches there. Oh, I have to climb the mountain. Okay, lah. Privilege, ma. Proclamation, ma. Okay, let's go. So we went there. The same thing, he told us the same story happened before he entered. He said that from the village that God saved, there's another village they're supposed to reach, did the same thing. He said that night they were there ministering to these people on the night when they sleep, they couldn't say the same thing happened to them. They said when they went out to the window of the house, they can see uh, things flying the sky into the hut where they are staying. You know, I said, what is that? He said, this is something to do with black magic in those days in the kampong. Then he said they did the same thing, they prayed and so on and so forth. And the next day, this village they were in to reach out people, they heard from the next the village before that the same thing, two Bomo died and their stomach exploded. Died. They were looking for somebody. And then this village, just to let you know, interesting, this village, eh, they were saying that they came to know the Lord because you know why? When you all were sleeping, which actually they were praying, Jesus appeared before them at the entrance of the kampong, walk right through with black, bright white light shining. Can't see the face, can see a figure, can't see the face. Walk right through the kampong and disappeared at the end of the kampong. Indonesia, a lot of these are things. Uh, some of them need to see this sort of thing before they came. And this kampong came to know the Lord and the kampong that then happened also came to know the Lord. You, can you imagine that? Uh, you and I have the honor and the privilege to go there and see for ourselves what God is doing in some of those people in the villages, in the deep jungle. Amen? Amen? Give a hand to the Lord if you may. You don't believe me? Go with me. I always challenge, you know, I challenge my church people, you don't believe what pastors say, and this group of missionaries, this is a staff that went with me, go with me. We will show you. Go with us. Being there will become experiential of what God is doing in some of those areas. Go with me. That's why I always drag, I drag my church members, go with me. Go with me. I pay for your etiquette, go with me. That's how I drag our people in the mission field. Go there, see for yourself what God is doing and how much God loves the people that are lost in the world. The focus of biblical missions and evangelism emphasizes the necessity for a verbal witness. You be there and share the testimony of God in your life. 
If you are not going to be there, how are you going to share? Missions is sharing our salvation, our testimony, and letting other people know that Jesus died for them too. Evangelism and mission is the beginning point of making disciples. You cannot get them, if you don't get them saved, there's no discipleship program anymore in the church. No new convert, no discipleship. No discipleship, no continuation. Some people prefer to go and fish from other churches. I don't prefer. You'd be surprised, some of those are sharks that you are fishing. And when they come to your place, they become Thai Baksa. Hello? Are you with me or not? Yeah, I have to admit to you, I go less missions nowadays. I only fly in to meet them, as I told you. But my assistant pastors are all flying in, on and off, different places, different country. Jesus did not say, go and make members. Rather, go and make disciples of all nations. Disciples consist of two categories. One, they are the followers, and they are also the imitators. They follow Jesus, and they imitate Him to do what He wants them to do. Let me close with this. Isaiah 55, verse 1 says, Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you have no money, come buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without honey, without cost. We can also witness the assurance that our labor is not in vain in Christ Jesus. Amen? Follow me to Indonesia. We are, we are rebuilding, we are shifting the Bible college we have. Come with us. Bring some money also. Lah. We just bought a piece of land, a few... Uh, Two years ago, we bought a land. No, 2019, we bought another piece of land, about two acres. We're shifting the Bible school from the interior all the way to the second city before Pontianak in West Kalimantan to rebuild the Bible school. And we convert that one into a farm. And uh, why? It makes it easier for traveling for local people. If not, you have to take a bus to go five hours up north, west of West Kalimantan which is a long journey and then now we rent car to drive which is more accessible you'll be surprised what God can do in you when you go into missions and when you give towards missions number two you'll be surprised what God can do through you when you really go into the mission field. When I went to the mission field, I realized that I'd grown so much. Not so much as a pastor, but as a person, as a Christian, as a believer. I've grown so much. If you can have opportunity, Pastor Yiming, buy some land. in some of these missions outposts. Use those land to support the work over a season of time. And then you realize the church will still continue to raise funds for missions, but your missions outpost is larger. Those people you have been supporting, they are self-supporting. Teach them to support others as well. 
You know, some of our missions work are supporting other work in other country as well. Because you know why? It all happened because of Subang Jaya Assembly. You train them. That's why he said, make disciples, these people, make disciples of them so that they can fish and teach other people to fish. Hallelujah. But don't start a casino. Huh, David? Don't start another casino. Don't pray that they're closed also. These poor people afterwards, working there, no job. Pray that these disheartened people come out, they are your target for evangelism. Are you still with me, church? You with me? If you want to experience some of this thing deep in the interior, if your pastor's permission, join us in one of our trip, but ready to walk. Okay? You know what we tell our people? One month before mission trip, they have to go and jog and walk an hour a day before they are ready. I also injured many times because some of the mountains that we climb is not smooth mountain. No. They, they do plank eh, about a feet wide. They punch it in and then they put a plank all the way. You have to walk those, you know. Some of us fell a few times because it's so narrow. It's a feet only. For them, it's no problem because they are smaller size people. Their feet are small. I remember one of our guys, one of my pastors went with me, you know, and he was, oh, easy pastor. Dun, 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 dun. He dropped inside. You know, it is not easy. I came back a few times, injured my knee, injured my leg. Some of this mountain that we go, okay, and so on and so forth. But every time I come back, in spite of the injury, the heart is so satisfied to see God doing great things in different countries in the world. Amen. And we also have learned through the years, we've released so many works already, ask them to go on their own so that they can form a mission, mission center on their own. We release something at 30 works, different place already. Now we are still having about 58, I think, if I'm not wrong. So we have released 30. So in time to come, when they're doing better, we release them. Go on your own. No need to call us as a mother church. Just go and be a mother church yourself. Ascending church yourself. 